Hello, this is Khalik Thomas. Thank you for joining us on the Spiritually Curious Podcast. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to discuss the connection between God and ourselves. I believe the activity of being who and what each of us were created to be, which is our God-given meaning and purpose, is the most genuine method to know and to worship God. The problem is that this way of thinking is not widely accepted in society. It's not accepted by religion as we are told that we must change and become an ideal kind of person that God desires for us to be. That forces us to reject our uniqueness and to embrace a universal spiritual identity that we all must share. This is what religion says we must do. We must all become a kind of person. Religion tells us that there is a kind of person that God wants us to become, rather, that God wants us to change to, that God wants us to be transformed to in order to be in a meaningful relationship with God and to have a fruitful life. Religion says we must worship in a specific way. We must pray in a specific way. We must live. We must dress and identify ourselves in a very specific way in order to be accepted and loved by God. This specific way is the way of the kind of person that God is looking for us to become. But is this really what God wants? Does God want all seven billion of us in the world to be one kind of person with one way of thinking, one way of being, one manner of worship and one method of living? It was the first day of my junior year in high school when I met Sonetta Williamson. I was completely in love with her. Everything about her was perfect. She was extremely attractive, beautiful brown skin. She had a glowing smile and a real weird sense of humor. Getting to know her better seemed like an opportunity that I needed to take advantage of. So that's exactly what I did. After a few weeks of hanging out and getting closer, it became obvious that I was not necessarily what Sonetta was looking for. I mean, we connected well in a few areas. We had some uh, great conversation. We, we liked the same types of music. We had uh, many other things in common. But she made it known that if a serious relationship between us was going to happen, I would have to make some changes. Sonetta said that the only way for us to be in a meaningful, loving relationship was for me to become the kind of guy that she was looking for. Her ideal image of a man, the kind of guy that could make her happy. This was the only kind of guy that she could love. So I did what made the most sense to someone that did not understand that the realest love was a love that would welcome and embrace my uniqueness. I became exactly what she wanted. 
I changed to her ideal image of a man. I became what she was looking for, someone that could make her happy. I became someone that she could love. So the way I spoke changed to what she wanted to hear. The way I dressed changed to what she wanted to see. My interests changed and the way I thought changed to what would make her happy. I changed. I stopped being myself and became what she needed me to be so that I could receive acceptance, love and affection from her. The church says that God is something like Sonetta, that God is looking for the ideal mate. The church says that there is a very specific kind of person that God is willing to be in a relationship with. They say, just like Sonetta, God has an ideal person that we have to become a person that would make God happy, a person that meets God's standards. That's God's kind of person. This is the type of person that God is looking for. So therefore, to be in a meaningful relationship with God, we all must become this specific kind of person that God wants, that God finds acceptable, desirable, worthy, attractive, and able to be loved. The church says the way you speak must change to what God wants to hear. The way you look must change to what God needs to see. Your interest and your thoughts must change to how God wants you to think and what God wants you to have interest in. The church says God wants you to be something other than what you are. Someone new, someone different, someone made to be God's kind of person. The church says that this is what it takes to be in a meaningful, loving relationship with God. You have to become something other than yourself. But the church is mistaken because what the church does not understand is that the kind of love that God has for us is the kind that welcomes our individuality and embraces our uniqueness without the need to become something other than ourselves. What does it mean for us to have to change to be accepted by God? What does it mean for us to have to become what God wants? To become what God wants. Think about that. Instead of already being what God wants. When did God the creator and distributor of human individuality and unique ways of being who we are. When did that God reject the characteristics that make us unique works of art, masterpieces, one of a kinds? Does an artist create from the depth of her soul and then reject the work of her hands? No. Does an inventor design and produce an object with a particular purpose and meaning and after it's invented, expect it to perform in a manner opposite of the purpose and meaning that he gave it? No. 
Is a man expected to give birth to babies? Is a dog expected to graduate from college and get a six figure salary? Is today expected to be the same as it was yesterday? With every day having the same weather, meeting the same people, having the same experiences. It would be ridiculous for us to expect something with a designated identity, with a God given meaning and purpose to act according to an alternate identity and an opposite meaning and purpose. It would be ridiculous. So why do we easily accept it for ourselves? Why do we accept the idea that God actually wants us to be something opposite than what we were created to be? Who and what we are is based on who and what God has allowed us to be, who and what God has created us to be, who and what God has given us to be. The meaning and purpose we each have has been divinely justified. We are supposed to be and live as who and what we feel most attached to being. Our meaning and purpose is found in the depths of authentically being who and what we were given to be. This is the highest meaning to existence. So why reject it by being something other than yourself? For God to require us to become another kind of person is for God to reject God as God gave us meaning and purpose and is the ultimate artist and inventor of who and what we are and all that we shall become. If God did have an ideal person that he wanted us to be, that would mean we all have to become that person. But what does that person look like? What kind of person does God get along with best? What kind of person does God truly love? What kind of person does God straight get turned off by? What kind of person does God choose to confide in, to trust, to bless? And what kind of person has no chance at all? The church answers by saying that if your physical and spiritual identity is not exclusively informed by the church, then you are not God's kind of person. It's that simple. The church says if you belong to the LGBT community, you are not God's kind of person. If you're not a Christian, you're not God's kind of person. If you don't believe Christianity is the only way to God, that's right. You're not God's kind of person. If you're a woman that doesn't know her place in the church at home or in society. Sorry, ladies. The church says that you are not God's kind of person. When the church gives you an identity, appoints to you a destiny and hands you an understanding of earthly and spiritual realities, 
then and only then are you God's kind of person. Therefore, to remain in relationship with God, any exercise of self-expression, any method of experiencing God, any form of spiritual exploration, any investigation into enlightenment, any identification of yourself must be done within the fenced yard that the church sits on. But you say, I want to be free. I don't want to be fenced in. But we're told that we need those boundaries because playing outside the fence is dangerous. You know, my mother would tell me to stay in the yard when I was younger in order to protect me from those things outside the yard that couldn't be trusted. In the same way, the church tells us that the fence yard is to protect us from the dangers of ourselves. We're dangerous because our nature is evil. Our thoughts are wicked and our desires, no matter how good, are motivated by unrighteousness. We are told that we are hopelessly corrupt, depraved and enemies of God. Any source of authority, including yourself, that wishes to inform, shape and name who and what you are is only legitimized when it agrees with what the church has first informed shaped and named as who and what you are. You lose the power to name yourself for yourself. You lose the ability to live life according to who and what you are. You lose the unique one of a kind identity God gave you and you pick up a one size fits all identity that the church hands you. So when you wonder, who am I and what can I be? You ask the church. When you wonder, who are my friends and who are my enemies? You ask the church. When you wonder, how do I live my life? Who can I have sex with? Who should I marry? Who is God to me? What should I do with my money? Should I buy a house? Should I lease an apartment? Uh, Maybe a townhome? Can I wear red lipstick or is Lip gloss more appropriate as a man. Can I wear my skinny jeans without my sexuality coming into question? You ask the church. Asking is not the problem. I see the problem as asking without first considering what authentically represents you. The church says the earth should be filled with the ideal human being. God's kind of people. This makes room for only one kind of man and one kind of woman, same religion and theology, same methods of naming and identifying who and what you are, pulling from the same resources to practice spirituality, the same philosophy of life, the same outlook of the future, the same perspective of reality and the same sources informing your knowledge and beliefs about what a relationship between you and God looks like. The church says all this amounts to one people, according to one kind, making individuality a problem 
to a a fruitful relationship with God. Overcoming the idea of having to become God's kind of person is challenging at as it is deeply embedded in us. Seriously, this is deeply embedded in our culture and in society. You know, we faithfully do the work of shaping and refining, emptying ourselves of certain aspects of uniqueness because the church or we can say religion in general demands us to be less of ourselves and more like something else. In reference to the church, we're we're told to be less of ourselves and more like Jesus. But maybe instead of trying to be like Jesus in order to be God's kind of person, we can let the dedication Jesus had to being unapologetically and authentically himself inspire us. The religious institution of Jesus's time considered him to be an outcast, a weirdo, a madman, a reject and an enemy of conformity, even a friend of Satan. Pretty much Jesus was a straight up problem all because he refused to fit in. He refused to conform to be molded by the religious idea of becoming God's kind of person. Jesus did not surrender his power, which was his identity in order to become God's kind of person that religion told him that he had to be. Jesus's individuality was foundational to who and what he was. The connection Jesus had with God was based on Jesus being Jesus, not becoming God's kind of person, which religion said was necessary. Jesus embraced his divine uniqueness and had a genuine relationship with God, one that was just as unique as he was. The way Jesus did his ministry, practiced his faith, lived his life and connected with God was done in the process of Jesus being Jesus and meeting God in the activity of genuinely being himself. Religion told the Samaritan woman that she was not God's kind of person, but Jesus showed her differently. Religion told the tax collector he was not God's kind of person, but Jesus told him differently. Religion told the woman that was to be stoned that she was not God's kind of person, but Jesus showed her differently. So I ask you, who is it that religion has told you that you are? Who is it that religion has told you that you can be? Who is it that religion has told you that you cannot be? How has becoming God's kind of person actually stopped you from being yourself? What truth about yourself are you suppressing? What parts of you have been lost? And becoming God's kind of person, what has happened to the real you? Imagine how much closer you could be to God through the activity of being yourself instead of becoming God's kind of person. Be who God has created you to be. We should not surrender the power to name who and what we are and miss the opportunity of meeting God in the process. Make a commitment to exploring your individuality like Siddhartha Gautama when he abandoned the identity that royalty gave him as a prince 
and embrace his authentic meaning and purpose as a philosopher, spiritual teacher and the Buddha. Bravely open yourself up to honest self-expression and naming yourself for yourself in order to empower yourself, refusing to fit in because you were called to stand out like Jesus. Take advantage of opportunities for authentic spiritual living, which manifest a personal connection with God like Muhammad did. Discover God through the power of being who and what you were created to be and follow your heart and not doctrine. How many of you are willing to reject the opportunity to know and experience God in a manner that truly connects to your God given individuality? How many of you are done trying to be God's kind of person and ready to be fully who and what you were created to be? And encountering God from a you perspective, experiencing God from a you understanding, exercising a you spirituality. The you factor empowers you to authentically embrace who and what you are physically and spiritually. God created us with unique personalities and ways of being. Exercising these unique aspects connects us to God in a way that nothing else can and in a way that nothing else can. Deepak Chopra said that there are seven billion people in the world and they will all experience today in a different way. So if experiencing today will be done in seven billion different ways based on the unique ways people experience today through the act of being who and what they are. There is also the possibility of experiencing God in just as many different ways, according to the unique ways that each of us experience God through the act of being who and what we are. So I ask, how can you, being so full of possibilities, having so many ways to know and experience God, be restricted to only one? How can you being so unique be satisfied with the idea of becoming God's kind of person? I believe we are uniquely different for a purpose. So that we may experience God through that uniqueness, that human uniqueness is not a design flaw that needs to be controlled or restricted. It's intentional. It's powerful. It's a way of knowing God deeply. And unlike anything else, we love God in a different kind of way when we love who and what we were created to be. Embracing our uniqueness, celebrating our individuality and using it to connect to God in a meaningful way is worshiping God in a powerful way. When religion tries to have you become God's kind of person in order to fit in, remember God did not create you to fit in. You were created to stand out, to stand out as an individual, to stand out as one of a kind and to stand out according to the power of who and what you are.
people. Now we are the people. Do you know? 